Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybooks. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybooks together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. How many of you do struggle with managing your time? Well, time management doesn't really come that easy for some of you. And don't worry, because my next guest is going to help you so much with managing your time or more or less redeeming your time. His name is Jordan Rayner. Now, for those of you that don't know who he is, he's a serial entrepreneur, podcaster, best-selling author, and my new friend. He helps people manage their time the way Jesus managed his with a biblical antidote to swap out the to-do list and hurried schedule. Despite the overwhelming amount of resources for time management and work-life balance, the ability to cultivate the efficiency and equilibrium needed to manage all our worthy pursuits can often feel frustratingly out of reach. How many of you can relate to what I just said there? The reason for our struggle is that productivity and time management systems focus on individual habits rather than more meaningful and lasting lifestyle changes. But as it turns out, there is a better way for us to reach our own full potential. He's a perfect guest for the story box, isn't he? We don't need to just uh, make another approach to changing our habits. What we need is an operating system that takes into account the full scope of our lives. And Jordan helps us all today do just that. He's got a brand new book, which is out right now. It is called Redeeming Your Time, Seven Biblical Principles for Being Purposeful, Present, and Wildly Productive. Now, Jordan has helped millions of people and Christians around the world connect the gospel to their work through his podcast, his devotionals, and his books. He's got one called Call to Create and the Master of One. He has also served as the executive chairman of Threshold 360, a venture-backed tech startup that he has built the world's largest library of 360-degree virtual experiences of hotels, restaurants, and attractions. So he's incredibly smart and talented. Uh, he is a highly sought-after speaker on the topic of faith and work. He has spoken 
at Harvard University, South by Southwest, and many other events around the world and has been selected as a Google Fellow twice. He lives in Tampa with his wife and three daughters as well. And I am very excited to say that if you want to uh, right now win a trip to the Holy Land, that is right, you get to walk like Jesus walked and walk where Jesus walked, then you can do that right now by entering to win uh, by pre-ordering a copy of Jordan's new book, Redeeming Your Time. All the links will be in the show notes below for you guys to do just that. Highly encourage you if you do want to win a trip or be in a chance to win a trip, there's your chance right there. But I really do hope that you guys enjoy this conversation with me and Jordan. Uh, Jordan has a great way of relaying important information uh, and it's very, very interesting. So I have all the faith in the world that you guys are going to love my time and conversation with Jordan today. So please, if you do get something from it, share it around to your friends and family. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review over and over podcast. Help support Jordan as well by getting a copy of his book, Redeeming Your Time. Uh, All links, once again, show notes below. Alrighty, my friends, you know what time it is. It is time to journey with me into the story box, learn more about how we can redeem our own time so that we can be more productive and live a more purposeful life. As we listen to the incredible wisdom, the advice, and the story of none other than my good friend, Jordan Rayner. Jay, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. It's so good to have you on here. I was just telling you a moment ago, and for my audience, I want them to know you're such a, a bright spark of energy and you're already stroking my ego before. So I already know we're going to have a great conversation when people do that from the very start. <laughs> so thank you so much, man, for being a guest. The the very first question that I have for you, and I know that you've checked out my podcast. You probably heard me ask this question over and over again to some of my other guests is what does success look like for you? Man, it's a great question. Success to me looks like good stewardship. It's not about beating the next person. It's not about being the best in a category or being number one. It's just looking at the talents, the time that I believe God has entrusted to me and being able to say at the end of the day, you know what? I did my best to steward those things for the good of others. That's what success is to me. What is more specifically a good steward? Yeah, I think a good steward is somebody who um, is highly intentional about developing the talents they've been given, highly intentional about how they steward their time. I mean, honestly, kind of the reason why I wrote this book, Redeeming Your Time, I believe, uh, you know, more than anything in the world, time is our most finite resource. It's the cliche of all cliches. Uh, And we've got to be wicked diligent about how we steward that thing. So that's what stewardship, good stewardship looks like. It's just being highly intentional, finding tools that can help me make the most of what's been entrusted to me to steward in this lifetime. Is that a more specific answer to the question, Jay? It is. And I want to go a little bit deeper to it. Yeah. Why why do you think that some people aren't aware of their stewardship and unaware of redeeming their precious time? Why do you think they go about wasting it? Because I think most people don't realize that the time they've been given, um, the money they've been given, the talents they've been given 
has been given to them, right? <laughs> the vast majority of the world is operating under the assumption that they have produced wealth for themselves, that they have produced their own talents. I believe uh, what the Bible says, which is that none of this thing, and none of these things are of my doing. God alone gives me talent, gives me air in my lungs to wake up every day, uh, and gives me treasure to invest, right? So when you see all of that as a gift, it helps you make this shift of, okay, these things are not for my own good. They've been given as a gift to me so that I could be a gift to others that I serve in my work. And it's just a radically different perspective. When you have that perspective, in my experience, it leads you to be far more intentional about how you're stewarding those things. Mm. For someone that doesn't know, because you mentioned talents there and, and yeah. understanding gifts, which I believe that God gives to all of us, but for someone that doesn't understand their gifts or their talents, those kinds of things, I feel like it would be beneficial for them to know it so they can apply uh, a better understanding of time management and being a good yeah. steward of that. How can we go about understanding or really knowing our talents and our gifts in the first place? Such a good question. And I talk a little bit about this in Redeeming Your Time. I talked a lot about it in my last book, Master of One, subtitle that is find and focus on the work you were created to do. Mm. Uh, I think a lot of us are in this spot in various seasons of life. Of Okay, I'm good at a lot of these different things. What is the thing? that I'm really going to sink my teeth into, that I'm most talented at. Here's the, I'll give your audience, you know, one really practical takeaway for how to find that thing that you're talented at. Yeah, you just got to experiment a lot. You got to place a lot of little bets, try a lot of different things before you go all in, put all of your chips in the middle of the table and say, this is the thing, right? It's very hard to make a good choice about your one thing, vocationally, whatever, relationally, until you've experimented a lot before making that choice. So how did you figure out your gifts and your talents? Was it through a lot of experimentation? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, it, it, it took me becoming the quintessential jack of all trades, master of none before <laughs> I was able to become a master of one, right? So it was a ton of experimentation. When I was in college, just as one example, I did different internship every single semester and mm -hmm. I played piano at a wine bar, right? And I was in a band that toured around the state of Florida. I did a lot of different things, but that's how I learned, you know what? I'm a really good entrepreneur. I'm a pretty bad piano player, right? <laughs> it took a lot of small bets, a lot of experimentation and listening to the feedback of others before I really listen to my own self-critique, right? Because if you believe that your work is a means of serving others, the opinion of others and the feedback you get from others as you experiment is more important than anything else, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so I just asked a lot of questions, asked for a lot of feedback from my superiors, and over time got more and more refined as to what my quote-unquote one thing vocationally is. Mm. What would you say has been the biggest risk that you've ever taken in your life? <sighs> Easy. Uh, two and a half years ago, I was 10 years into my career as a tech entrepreneur, kind of at the height of my game. I was living the tech entrepreneur's dream come true. I was running a, an incredibly fast growing tech startup called Threshold 360, which you talked about in the introduction. Uh, we had incredibly deep pocketed investors who were willing to keep investing in this thing. 
I grew it from a team of five to a team of 120-ish people when I left. And the risky thing was deciding to leave, choosing to leave. Um, and the reason why I did is going back to what we were just talking about, right? I became convinced that my one thing was getting more refined. Uh, I was a tech entrepreneur, but at the same time, uh, as I was running this tech startup, I was also placing little bets as what I call a content entrepreneur. I actually think the role of a tech entrepreneur and the role of an author are nearly identical or should be. The best authors are first and foremost great entrepreneurs, right? And so I had had a book that had came out when I was CEO of this company. The book took off. Uh, and so I had these two things growing really quickly. And I just knew it was time to refine even further. And so uh, the risk was walking away from a heck of a job, a lot of stock options uh, to go put all my eggs in the basket that I'm carrying today, which is creating content, as you mentioned in the introduction, uh, that's really aimed at helping people connect the gospel of Jesus Christ to the work that they do mm -hmm. in the world. That was risky, man. I, I did not know how I was, I was going to make money doing this. I have a family. Um, but, you know, by God's grace, we figured it out. Right. And it wasn't a blind leap. Like I had a book, I had another book deal that I had signed. So there was money in the bank, but it wasn't three years worth of runway. It was like six months. Right. Mm -hmm. And that was enough for me to be like, okay, this is a wise enough risk. I'm going to take the leap and go do this thing. Did you know how much time you would have to wait in terms of getting to the place that you wanted to be at? No. <laughs> no, I had no idea. It's probably a stupid question, but no, it's not. Mm. So, can you can you share with me what kept you going in those moments? Okay, I don't I don't see the other side. I'm waiting. I'm in that that period of my life where I've got to be patient and wait on God to to work. I've got to. It's His timing, not my timing. How can I be a good steward of that? Yeah. So I think this happens to a lot of us where there's this gap between what we envision for our lives, what we envision for our careers and present day reality. And I think it's part of how God created us. He's yeah. the creator God. He created us in his image to be creative. Mm -hmm. So because we're creative, we can envision far more than we can achieve in any given moment. Uh, and for me, What's been most helpful, and I, I hope this makes sense. Maybe it won't. I know there's a risk here and that it won't. But just recognizing that if I believe what the Bible says, that the God of the universe died for me when I was his enemy, right? Surely I can make the leap to believe that he loves me when I'm not where I want to be professionally and when I'm not as productive as I want to be, right? That gives me just this deep level of peace, this deep level of rest that, and I, you know, that while I'm still not where I want to be, there's still some level of discontent. I can find ultimate contentment, mm. uh, knowing that the God of the universe has called me his child. Like mm. that it's a like game over. Like that, like that's the end. That's the end. That's what we all want. This unconditional love and favor that is perfectly secure that can't be found in any job, in any relationship, is found in God himself, and he's given that to me as a free gift? Mm. Yeah, when I meditate on that deeply, and I do every day, every morning, that's how I start my day, just meditating on those truths, that allows me to be content even when circumstances aren't what I want them to be.
Yeah. You talk about, uh, I believe, your perspective. There's a difference between biblically-based time management yeah. and then gospel-centric as well. And you believe that this book, Redeeming Your Time, is the latter. Can you share yeah. why that is the case? Yeah, sure. And so listen, I've spent my whole career reading time management books. There's 60,000 books in this category, which is just absurd, Good. right? Yeah. Uh, I've read all the perennial bestsellers. And every single one of them, the implicit and sometimes explicit message is, hey, listen, you're feeling stressed. You're feeling overwhelmed. Follow my system. Do exercises X, Y, and Z. And then you will find peace, right? As a follower of Jesus of Nazareth, I believe I already have peace because the God of the universe died on my behalf when I was his enemy. So I have peace regardless of how productive or unproductive I am. And so I still do time management exercises. I care deeply about redeeming my time. I wrote a whole book about it, but I don't do it to get peace. Mm -hmm. I do it in response to the peace that's already been given to me, right? So a biblically-based book would give you a bunch of proverbs that Christian or non-Christian can't disagree with, whatever, it's great. A gospel-based book is a book that says, regardless of how productive or unproductive you are, you are loved, right? And that is just a radically different foundation for a book. I'll, I'll tell a story and then I'll wrap up this answer. Every single night without fail, when I put my girls to bed, I, I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. I look them in the eye, I say, hey, girls, you know daddy loves you no matter how many bad things you do? And they say, yeah. I was like, you know I also love you no matter how many good things you do? And they say, I say, who else loves you like that? And they say, Jesus, mm. we got to hear the same thing spoken over our efforts to be productive. God loves us regardless of how productive we are, regardless of how unproductive we are. No matter how many times we screwed up in our lives, no matter how great and moral we are, he loves us the same. That enables us to rest. And ironically, it's also the thing that enables us to be wildly ambitious, to be wildly productive, because working for somebody's favor is exhausting, right? But when you're working in response to unconditional favor that you didn't earn, that's intoxicating, right? Because you just want to make that person proud, not because you need to, but because you want to. Yeah, I love that story, by the way. <laughs> it's a good one. It kind of um, ties everything up into a nice bow with that particular answer. That is, yeah. you, you talk about in your book, in redeeming your time, I guess, being being swamped by yeah. all the craziness of life. And for those people that do feel swamped, they're not good at creating to-do lists, they're not good at creating goals or anything like that. How would you walk or navigate someone through those difficult uh, situations? Of being swamped. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I took 60,000 words to answer that question uh, <laughs> in the book. I'll, I'll try to make it, I'll try to make it really concise. Listen, first step is recognizing what I just talked about, uh, that you have peace regardless of how productive or unproductive you are. But also I think, you know, the other reason why I wrote Redeeming Your Time, Jay, is Christian or not, I think it's pretty hard to argue with the statement that Jesus Christ was the most productive person who ever walked on earth. Yeah. We literally measure time pre post his life. Yeah. And yet of the 50 ish time management books I've read, I've never read one that accounted for how he lived his life. This is insane. There's four biographies written about Jesus. They're called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the first four books 
of the New Testament in the Bible. And these are biographies of how he lived his life. And so the reason why I wrote the book, I was like, all right, what can we learn about how he did this? How Jesus is the solution to our being swamped. And that's what I did with this book. I pulled out these seven timeless time management principles from the life of the most productive person who ever lived, who never appeared to be swamped, right? And sure, he was fully God and fully man, so whatever. Uh, so that's step one, just like looking to his life. And then the rest of the book kind of built upon that. Okay, you know, chapter two, Jesus said, let your yes be yes. Yeah. Very simple command. But for a lot of us, Jay, man, for years, my yes was not yes. I would be making commitments in my email inbox via text messages and conversations with my wife. On my voicemail, would say, I'll return your call as soon as possible. I never returned people's phone calls, right? My yes wasn't yes. So before we set big goals for our work and our lives, we've got to manage the small stuff, right? So chapter two, we start on the ground floor and say, all right, Let's collect all of the open loops in our lives. Let's build a comprehensive, what I call a commitment tracking system to ensure our yes is yes before we add anything else to our plate. So that's kind of step two. Principle three of the book is descent from the kingdom of noise. Um, I'll stop here and then we can talk about the rest of the principles if you want. But man, this one is critical for those of us who are feeling swamped. We're not just swamped by our to-do lists. We're also swamped because we don't have any space to think because our minds are constantly intaking new information. You're listening to a podcast right now. This is a great example, right? This is more input in your ears. We're constantly consuming entertainment and news and podcasts and information. And if we don't make it a habit to dissent from the kingdom of noise, the way Jesus did all the time, constantly, yeah, we just can't think. We can't be creative. We can't listen to the voice of God and we can't get unswamped, right? So those are the first three principles of the book. I'll stop there. Uh, but that, that's that's the start of the solution to being swamped. I thought I'd ask the biggest question. That's <laughs> <laughs> how you could explain. <laughs> um, but I think you're right. In life, we, we do get swamped by a lot of things. But when we look at the Bible, there are a lot of times where Jesus went alone in the quiet and stillness and he prayed. He spent time alone with God. I mean, he spent how many days wandering in the desert? Like, that's that's insane when you look at it from a human point of view. <laughs> it's crazy. And I, I, you, you mentioned the desert. Let's dive a little deeper here. So mm. <clears throat> in the Bible, it says that <clears throat> Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. He was baptized in the Jordan River, comes out <clears throat> of the river, and there is an audible voice from the heavens, the voice of God, the father saying about his son, Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. If there was ever a moment where you would think Jesus is going to go out and preach a sermon, it is right then. Literally <laughs> a booming voice declare that he is God. Perfect and setup. yet, and yet scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit led Jesus out to the wilderness for 40 days of quiet solitude. And it was only after he returned that he was at the full height of his powers, ready to do battle against the devil and kick off his preaching ministry. Man, what are we doing consuming so much noise if the God of the universe in the person of Jesus Christ needed 40 days of solitude in order to be ready for the work that the father laid out before him? This is crazy. And we can barely last with one day of solitude, let alone 40. Yes. Yes, we've <laughs> eradicated boredom. 
Yeah. We are successfully eradicating boredom. And listen, make this really practical. If you're listening right now, where do you have your most creative ideas? Can almost guarantee it's in the shower. (laughs) Shower. You know why? Because it's the last place on earth that most of us don't have something playing, right? You want to be that creative a lot more throughout your day. You want to be thinking more strategically about your work, about your family. Descent from the kingdom of noise. Make more shower time, not necessarily in the shower, just more time of quiet solitude. I don't take my phone or notebook or anything like that into the shower because, yeah, it's yeah. stupid. But uh, I know some people do, uh, so I'm not saying they're stupid for doing that. <laughs> I'm saying it's stupid for me. But um, what, what I often do is I'll repeat everything, my idea going on and on and on so I don't lose it. For me, repetition is of, often the key to, I guess, living it out properly. Uh, so what I'll do is after I've repeated it kind of like 10, 20 times in the shower, I'll get out and then I'll rush <laughs> and write, write it down so I don't I actually it. forget it. Um, but this this whole idea of, of noise and getting stuck and I feel like what I do best with this is every single morning I've created a habit of going out and exercising and I'm fully aware that my time is incredibly valuable um, and what I want to ask you is, is there one particular strategy that is better than others or are they all equally just as good and we've got to use them all? That's a good question. So chapter three of my book is all built around this principle uh, of dissenting from the kingdom of noise. And the way I've structured the book, there's seven timeless principles that we see in the life of Jesus. And then there are 32 hyper-practical practices that help us integrate those principles in our modern context. Because the way we descend from the kingdom of noise should be different than the way Jesus did it in the first century, right? So in chapter three, I have nine of those 32 practices to help us descend from the kingdom of noise. And I think they're all great, all right? They all work really well for me. I will say there is one that works better probably than all of them, and it is my daily run. Yeah. Uh, I run for 25 minutes. I have my AirPods in, but I'm not listening to anything. I just don't want to look like a weirdo (laughs) being the one person in the neighborhood running without AirPods in his ears. Um, But yeah, no, I, and I do it, you know, not primarily to work out my body. Although of course I'm doing that. I'm doing it to work out my mind. I'm doing it to make creative connections and pretty much all of my great ideas happen on my run. Right. Or in the shower and other times that I've descended from the kingdom of noise. I'll give I'll give your listeners if your listeners aren't runners, I'll give you probably the easiest practice in the entire book that comes from this chapter to descend from the kingdom of noise. Just stop filling the crevices of your day with noise. By crevices, I mean the three minutes you're standing in line at Starbucks. Be the one person in line that doesn't pull out their phone or the next time you're waiting for an elevator or uh, for me, it's when I finish reading a chapter of a book five minutes before my no- I know my kids are going to wake up. I just don't turn the page. I just yeah. sit there in silence for one minute, two minutes, five minutes. Just stop filling the slivers of your day, your your seven-minute errand. Stop filling them with noise, uh, and you'd be amazed at the creative ideas you have during that time. I feel like we, we almost want to fill that space of time because it kind of feels like awkward awkwardness and it's kind of like why <laughs> okay <laughs> why right. is that? you're you're hitting on something 
super wise, super deep here. I talk about this. <laughs> I think most people are afraid of silence. Ooh. You know, the words of a few good men. Yeah. We can't handle the silence because I think that we're afraid of what we're going to hear uh, when all the noise is turned down. Right. Um, I think we're afraid that that silence is going to force us to ask big questions in life. Right? <laughs> and so we paper over these voids with, you know, social media likes, yeah. uh, with email, with podcasts, stuff that can paper over the void, but we know deep in our souls never fills it, never, ever fills it. I would argue that can only be filled by God. I would argue that is a God-shaped void inside your soul. Uh, but, you know, listen to that silence. In the minutes that you do have silence, listen to those questions. That is, those are signs to the bigger things in life, the bigger questions that you got to answer. And once you have discovered the person of Jesus Christ, yeah, you don't have to be afraid of the silence anymore. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm comfortable. I'm still not as comfortable as I want to be with boredom and silence, but I'm a lot more comfortable than I would be without Jesus papering over that void. Yeah. And I think we're, I know this is true for me. I was afraid to ask myself those tough questions. I was afraid of my own voice for some reason. Yes. And I think that's what's happening for a lot of people too, that they're afraid of their own voice because that voice is going to lead them somewhere good. Maybe you never know. Like it's, but it's risky, right? Risky. You don't know where it's going to lead you. And yeah. there's a risk that blocks us from that silence and asking hard questions. But man, I would argue that the only way to have abundant life is, what it was, is how the Bible describes it. Yeah. Is to embrace a life of risk, <laughs> right? Uh, and I think that first risk, if you don't consider yourself a follower of Jesus, is to just sit with silence, sit with that uncomfortability um, of the crevices of your day and just sitting there being bored and ask hard questions, right? Take that first risk of asking those hard questions and uh, you're going to be more creative, but I think you're also going to find a much more abundant, uh, full life. Yeah. And I also want to add to that. When we, when we aren't afraid anymore to listen to our own voice, then we're no longer afraid to listen to God's voice too. Yeah. Very so well said. If that's Very well said. There's a great man. I wish I could think of it. Ryan Holiday's great book. Yes. Stillness is the key. Maybe you, have you read this? I've read it. Yes. All right. Great so maybe book. you can remember this. There's this great quote from an old uh, novel by uh, somebody named Percy. I don't know, whatever, but it's this character and I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's this character who walks outside at night he realizes there's nobody on the street that he wants to talk to. And so he literally just like stands in the middle of the road. It's pitch black outside and just stands there for, for a few minutes. And he says, I realized in the moment that I had been afraid of the silence all along. Right. And it's like so poignant. So go, go Google those words and, and Ryan uh, holidays stillness is the key. It's a beautiful story that I think illustrates uh, the human condition for a lot of us today. Yeah. Speaking about stories, a perfect segue to me asking this one for you. What has, what has been the wildest story that you've ever read regarding time management? Ooh, that's a terrific question. Um, I don't know if this is the wildest, um, 
but it's one that really stands out in my mind. It's, it's a story I tell in the book. Um, and it's, it's all under this banner of embracing productive rest mm-hmm. and seeing rest for what science knows rest is, is one of the most productive things we can do. Right. Cause it makes us more creative. It helps us prioritize our tools, whatever. So I'll tell you a great story. Are you a Rolling Stones fan? Jay? I am. Yes. All right. Believe it or not, I am. <laughs> so, so this is going back decades now. Keith yeah. Richards, legendary songwriter for the Stones, is in Clearwater, Florida, right down the street from me in Tampa. And he goes every night, he would sleep with a tape recorder and a guitar next to his bed so that if he woke up in the middle of the night, had an idea, he could, you know, record it and then go back to sleep. So one night, he goes to sleep in Clearwater, Florida. He wakes up the next morning. And the tape recorder had run all the way to the end, but he didn't remember recording anything. He's like, what in the world is going on here? So he goes back, he rewinds the tape, plays it, and unconsciously, he wrote the first verse and chorus of Satisfaction. The yeah. Rolling Stones' biggest song of all time, right? Have you heard this before? I've heard this one, yeah. It's an amazing story, <laughs> but it illustrates... And sleep scientists will tell you this is not a unique experience, right? It, we, it may not be as dramatic as Keith Richards writing satisfaction in sleep, but pr- rest, especially sleep, is one of the most productive things you could possibly do because your brain is working out uh, subconsciously what your conscious mind has been trying to solve uh, and trying to do throughout the day. Mm, that's interesting. I, I never... Yeah. I mean, I heard of the story before, but I never yeah. equated that to time management at all. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like it's rest. everything. It's everything. About, well, think about it. And listen, this book is comprehensive. Yeah. Right? I, I tried to, I was tired of recommending 10 books to people who were struggling with time management. I was like, listen, you have to read these 10 books, but there's really only 10 pages in them that you need to read. So I'm just going to take the 10 uh, and work them into this one cohesive all through the lens of Jesus. The science here is fascinating. So there was this one study, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the details. Get the book if you want to read the details. Uh, redeeming your time, but it was a study where the scientists gave students these like really challenging math problems, right? They like, hey, work on these like hundred math problems. I think I found this in, in Matthew Walker's book, Why We Sleep. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm a- uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. There you go. So. He, they gave them these number problems. And what the students didn't know was that there was a hidden cheat in these problems that if they found it, they were able to solve exponentially more problems than if they hadn't have found this cheat. So they do the problems and then they take a break and they half of the group, they said, go get eight hours of sleep. The other half were told to stay awake for eight hours. Then they came back and solved another string of problems. It was something like, the, the, the students who slept, I think, were three times more likely to find the hidden cheat. It was something unbelievable, yeah. right? Uh, and so this is how it's connected to time management, right? It's we're spending more time sleeping so that when we wake up the next morning, we got problems solved. We've got creative connections. made, And a lot of times it's hard to draw those lines between sleep and our productivity, but any credible sleep scientist will tell you the connections are 100% there. The most productive things you can do most night is get an eight hour sleep opportunity. 
I love my sleep. And now that I know this, I'm, I'm going to even like <laughs> value it <laughs> much more. I was having a conversation with Dr. Michael Bruce. I don't know if you know him. He's no. also the sleep diplomat. Um, and I was asking him about why people actually decide to, the first thing to go oftentimes is sleep. Like they put that on the back burner and they think that life's going to go even better for them somehow, but it goes the complete opposite. Uh, but I think when we value sleep and I love how you mentioned Dr. Matthew Walker's study yeah. as well and all that stuff, it just, it all ties in. It's so, so important to hear these people yeah. sleep. <laughs> it's sleep. so good. So good. Sleep. So my friend, you have this new book, Redeeming Your Time. And I'm curious about the title because why not redeeming the time? Why redeeming your time? I've done 40 podcast interviews about this book and nobody's asked me this. <laughs> uh, Fascinating. I'm so glad you asked it. So I think you're asking this because this title comes directly from Ephesians 5, 16, yep. uh, where Paul says, uh, uh, see then that you walk circumspectly, carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time yep. because the days are evil. Uh, yeah, I don't really have a good reason. I just thought redeeming your time sounded like a better title. Uh, so I don't know. No, it just made it a lot more personal. What Paul's saying there, though, is he spends chapters one through four of the book of Ephesians in his letter, one of the most popular books in the New Testament of the Bible. He spends the first four chapters really talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Ephesians 5.1, he reminds us of our status as dearly loved, adopted children of God. And then he can almost, Paul always anticipates his reader's questions. So you could almost hear him anticipating the question of, okay, I believe I'm an adopted child of God. What do I do? How do I respond to that truth? And Ephesians 5, 15 through 16 is part of his answer to that question. Our response to being adopted as children of God is to redeem our time because the days are evil. And what he means by that is we are running out of time to do the work we believe that God has called us to do in this life. Right. So it's part of our response to the gospels. That's why I titled the book that way. No good reason for choosing your over the zero, zero, zero good reason there. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you I put you reason? on the spot. Because <laughs> I, I honestly, I love this title and I love how you equated it to a personal, like yeah. your time. Because when I think of that, I think of my life and the yes, time yes. that I have been given to use. Whereas the time. Okay. That's universal. Fantastic. Yes. So it's, it's a great title. And I'm, I'm curious, uh, before I ask you the final couple of questions, yeah. where can people get a copy of this book? What would yeah. you hope that people do get out of this book first and foremost, and where can they connect with you as well? I want people to be more purposeful, more present and more productive, just like Jesus Christ was. And I want them to do, if I can add a 4P for the sake of alliteration, uh, I want them to do it peacefully. Yeah. So much content in this genre is hustle, hustle, hustle. You'll sleep when you die. We've already talked about the fact that that's just bogus. Uh, but it's just this uh, anxiety-inducing message that you've got to perform. you got to make it happen because you got to prove to the world that you're special. This is a very different book. It's a very different book that says that you are special because the God of the universe loves you, period. And that is what enables you to want to be and have the sustainable ambition to be purposeful, 
present and wildly productive as this as this subtitle of the book says so where you can find the book wherever you buy your books amazon barnes and noble wherever you get your books uh but here's the deal i think author pre-order campaigns are the lamest thing in the world like ever <laughs> pre-order a book get a downloadable bookmark who cares so we're going like totally over the top if you buy this book before october 23rd Go to Jordan. So go buy it on Amazon, then go to jordanrainer.com, J O R D A N R A Y N O R.com. And you can enter to win this epic eight day trip that we're giving away for you and the guests of your choice to go to the Holy Land, right? This book is all about walking like Jesus walked. So we're going to send somebody to go walk where Jesus walked. Or if that's not your cup of tea, uh, we'll just write you a check for $5,000. You can choose the trip. <laughs> Or five grand. So hey, it's a pretty. That's a pretty. I mean, I think it's a decent pre-order inside. So go get the book. Go jordanmayer.com. There you go, man. That's it, Jay. In all honesty, forget the money. Take me to the Holy Land. Oh, like that'd man. be an experience. Have you been? Wow. I haven't. No, I haven't been either. And oh. I, if I can make it work with my schedule, I'm probably going to fly over to Jerusalem and have dinner. At least have dinner with the winners of this trip. Uh, I just think it'd be awesome. I, I cannot wait to go to the Holy Land. Man, you and me both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's on my bucket list for sure, man. All right, but. so you should enter to win before October 23rd. <laughs> and then if you win, I'll go with you. Let's do it. I'll be your but, guest. Okay, I'll, I'll enter. <laughs> <laughs> I'll enter as well. Hopefully, it's not too biased towards me. Like, <laughs> maybe. It's not. It's not. Yeah, I know. Um, that that's awesome, man. Um, congratulations, first and foremost, on writing this book. Um, I cannot wait to get a hands on a physical copy of the book. Um, it's things a bit very slow here in Sydney, Australia, but I cannot wait. That's my God's honest truth. Uh, second final question for you, Jordan. Uh, this is a question that I'm very curious to know your answer in. It is, what do you love the most about yourself and your story? That's a heck of a question. <laughs> what I love most about myself is I, I, I just think I'm really good with words. I, I think I'm very good with words. Um, I think it takes a lot to be a great entrepreneur. There's a lot of different skills you can have. The one that God has blessed me with is I'm just really good at communicating ideas and either via a book or to investors. I just have a love of words, a love of the English language. Uh, these 26 keys on my keyboard here. I love them. Uh, what I love most about my story is that I'm just going to keep beating a dead horse. Regardless of how many books I sell with this book launch, regardless of how effective I am with those words and with that talent, God's given me a steward. I'm okay. I'm okay. I have ultimate peace. And, and listen, I, I'm always going to, of course you want a book to do well. Of course you want to sell more copies. And I wrestle with that angst, but way less than I used to, because I have this deep, deep, deep soul level peace that enables me to get eight hours of sleep at night, enables me to take a day off, totally off from my phone, email once a week. I can rest uh, because I'm loved regardless of how productive I am. Love that, man. 
My final question for you is, is my all-time favorite question. If you've heard it at the end, if you've gotten to the end of some of my podcasts, you know what's coming. So hopefully you've been able to prepare for it. But imagine with me for a moment that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for the sake of argument. But they've been able to get it and show it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Yeah, I have thought about this. I wanted to say that I was faithful to the end in following the ways of Jesus because I think at the end of the day, that's what matters most. I wanted to say that I have a thriving relationship with my wife and my children and my grandchildren, Lord willing, um, and that I am most respected by them, right? It's great to be respected by strangers, um, readers, whatever, but I want to be most famous inside the four walls of my home. Right. And then finally, I wanted to say that I was a part of helping the church change how we think about work, helping every Christian on the planet see that their work, uh, even if they're not a pastor, even if they're not a quote unquote full time missionary, is deeply meaningful to God and to others. It is a part of gardening the final creation of the kingdom of God, which will eventually be here on earth. That That's what I want that film to say. The perfect send off message. Jordan Rayner, thank you so much, my friend, for your time, your story, your wisdom, your advice. I know it's going to help so many people today. Go and get a copy of his book. It's called Redeeming Your Time. It's going to be available anywhere books are sold very, very soon or basically when you're listening to this. So go and get it uh, and enter to win as well. The trip to the Holy Land is going to be very exciting. Jordan Rayner, thank you so much for your time and for coming on the Storybox podcast today. Yeah, my pleasure. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.